Hello and welcome to How to Get Unstuck with Helen Thomas, the podcast that explores how and why you might be feeling stuck in your life, career or business and what to do about it. I'm your host, Helen Thomas, a career and business coach who supports professionals and business owners to think differently about what's possible, get unstuck and create a meaningful and successful working life they love. I've been stuck and I realized it's a common experience that can turn up in your life, your career, your relationships, personal growth or many other places often when you least expect it. But I want you to know this, being stuck isn't a permanent condition, it's a feeling and it can be changed. Join me each week as I speak with experts about their experiences with feeling stuck and the practical strategies they recommend to help you break free from uncertainty so you can get unstuck and create your unstoppable momentum. And now for today's episode. Hello and welcome to this episode of How to Get Unstuck. I'm your host, Helen Thomas, and I'm thrilled to introduce you to my guest today. Dominique Bertolucci has been a model, an investment banker, a consultant, and a coach. She's also an international best-selling author, and her audible podcasts and audiobooks rank alongside the who's who of well-being and self-development content creators, people like Michelle Obama, Jay Shetty, and Kevin Hart. She's a sought-after keynote speaker and has regularly appeared in the media. Over the last 25 years, she's worked all over the world with literally everyone, corporate organizations, small businesses, and everyday people, teaching them how to be happier, more successful, and how, when required, to take the time to just take a breath. Dominique's first experience of stuck happened early, when at 25, she realized her life looked very good on paper, a well-paid corporate job, nice house, car, shoes, and a nice boyfriend, Interesting, the boyfriend's last on that list. But somehow it all felt a bit hollow. And this quarter-life crisis resulted in her personal quest for happiness and fulfilment. And what she learned has inspired her mission to show us how to feel good about ourselves and the lives we lead, not just occasionally, but every day. In her book, the first book I read of Dominique's, The Happiness Code, Dominique says, happiness begins with a choice. So many people are waiting to feel happy. And this is at the heart of what first drew me to Dominique's work, this realization that how I felt was not the result of lots of things happening to me, but rather an intentional choice. And if I wanted to feel differently, I could make a different choice. I met Dominique at a workshop in Melbourne a few years ago. I was feeling truly stuck in my work mostly, but also a little bit in my life, and I was searching for a solution. What I remember about that day, apart from being pretty sick, (laughs) so sick, the level of sick that would not be, no longer be acceptable (laughs) in a group setting, Um, and of course, being in awe of this glorious woman, was that she really challenged my thinking and my preconceived notions about what was going on in my life and what was keeping me stuck. Since then, Dominique has been instrumental in my journey. She's been my coach, teacher, mentor, guide, and friend. Dominique often talks about traveling through life with grace and ease, and there's no one I can think of who better embodies these qualities. 
Dominique Bertolucci, welcome to the very first episode of How to Get Unstuck. Oh, Helen, thank you for having me and thank you for that lovely introduction. And it's an honour and a privilege to be here on episode one with you. I know, it's so, it's, it's actually really exciting that it's happening, to be honest. Um, so let's dive in and talk a little bit about your first experience with being stuck, which happened in your 20s. And I guess I'm curious, not so much that it happened in your 20s, because I think that's, I think more often than not, a lot of people get into their 20s and start thinking, is this it? Or have I left it too late to be doing something else? But I guess also in your 20s, you do think there's a long time ahead of you. So I guess I'm interested in when you experienced your quarter life crisis, what drove you to kind of actually think about doing something about it and and sorting it out? Gosh, that's a great question. I think the short answer is the situation felt untenable. So the job that looked really good on paper included a really toxic boss. So something was going to have to change because working in that environment was starting to impact my health. Um, The relationship, I'd started to notice that I didn't feel as committed as one should in a committed relationship. And I didn't like that feeling in myself. I didn't, that wasn't consistent with how I saw myself. Not that I was acting on that, but I was noticing it. And I thought neither of these situations are tenable. So I felt at the time that change had to happen. I felt very lost in working out what or how or why, but it was less of a calm oh, I think I'm going to need to change this because it's not really working to, i got to change all of this. And I remember saying to a girlfriend of mine over a drink, I'm just trying to work out whether I change it all at once or one after the other because it's going to feel really horrible. And we came up with this a term of maximum pain threshold and uh, collectively we worked out that if I changed everything that wasn't working in my life at once, there would be a maximum pain threshold and so it could only feel so bad it couldn't actually get worse than that. In hindsight, we may or may not have been correct, but the short answer to your question is it just felt untenable. Yeah. So then what made you realise as you went through that experience that what you learned could help others through that same sort of situation? So I think that that wasn't necessarily a linear progression and it didn't necessarily happen off the back of that first sort of big upheaval, that quarter life crisis. You know, I uh, changed my job, you know, ended that relationship and then was in this state for a year, I think, of trying to work out what next and what that next might look like. You know, you rip the Band-Aid off, but it doesn't mean there's not a wound still there that needs air and time to heal. I wasn't twiddling my thumbs in that time. I was still working, but, it, you know, the first job I went to afterwards, I was like, oh, no, no, this isn't even an improvement. But what I think led to me, you know, coming to the conclusion that I could help others with this was that I came out of that Uh, transition into really satisfying work that I really liked, Um, you know, and within a couple of years was in the relationship that, you know, would then become my lifelong, you know, partnership with my husband now. And what I really noticed was as I was talking to people about some of the choices I'd made, people were surprised. Take, for example, the relationship people sent to me, oh, but you broke it off and you didn't have somebody else. And I said, well, no, I thought that he was a good person and he deserved to be left for no one, not left for someone. That really felt sort of like the honourable thing to me. But a, a number of people, you know, were saying to me, oh, I'm, I'm really surprised that you 
you know, felt that, felt the courage to do that maybe. Or with the work, it was kind of like, oh, I'm really surprised you felt that you could do that. And that was when I could start to say, oh, okay, this sort of choice isn't actually a common practice maybe for people. And, you know, a couple of years into this, because there was sort of a number of changes I made, but there was never another big crisis like that. But a number of times it's like, okay, this isn't working anymore. Okay, now I know what to do. You know, it's to go back and work out what I need to do next. And I remember deciding to do a summer school in New York because one of the sort of distant dreams of mine had been that I that maybe I could have been an actor and I'd never really let go of it. And I thought, oh, I'm going to be one of those people at 80 going, what if? I'm going to go off and do this summer school and find out what if. And I remember at dinner a friend saying to me, oh, you know, but you're going to spend all of this money and it's not like you're going to do an MBA or there's no guarantee at the end of this. Like that's just a lot of money to spend on that. And I said, oh, it actually feels like a really small amount to discover whether this is my direction in life or not. And so it was things like that, conversations like that, that made me realise this is not actually how most people or how everybody is approaching this series of challenges. You know, people are waiting to to have their hand forced a lot of the time or holding back from... Uh, explorations that could give them clarity because there's a cost and cost might not be financial. It could be emotional or time and holding back. And so it was through that, I guess, those years, uh, which were in the years before I actually discovered coaching was a thing that I started going, oh, okay, I'm approaching this differently. Not everybody is approaching it this way. And I'm ending up with a greater sense of happiness and satisfaction and success because I am approaching this differently. Yeah, and I I guess as I'd said up front, I think that was such an eye-opening thing for me when we first met because I was fully subscribed and I was well into my 40s by this stage, so not in my 20s. I was fully subscribed to life happens to you and there's nothing you can really do about that. I guess I sometimes talk about it as that victim mentality, but all of this stuff is happening to me and I can't do anything about it and it sucks and I don't like it. And so it was really fascinating, I think. That was, you know, it was a real, I don't know, light bulb moment, truth bomb, whatever we want to call it, when it was like, oh, I can actually make a choice here. So do you want to, could you explain for us a little bit more about that process of changing how you think to change how you feel and then behave. Absolutely. So I call that process that you've just described the architecture of change. And I think what most people do is they try to change how they behave. And that's a bit like putting the roof on a house that doesn't have a foundation or walls or even like being out there looking at your dream house and thinking, oh, you know, I want a white corrugated iron roof or maybe I want a cantilevered roof but still not having any understanding of what needs to sit underneath that. And so the approach I always work with is thoughts, then feelings, then action. It comes from cognitive behavioural therapy, but in CBT, we're usually looking at putting that in place to change perhaps some negative behaviour. Whereas in coaching, we're looking at just moving forward in a really positive way, but still putting that really robust foundation in place. So for me, when it came to creating those changes, and, and if I look at any time that I've been stuck in my life, if I can get the thinking right to then generate those feelings that will make taking the action so much easier. And most people think that 
you know, a bit like what you're saying about life just happens. I also think that their feelings are the boss. You know, my feelings are the boss of me. I felt this way, so I did this. I didn't feel that way, so I didn't do this. I, you know, I felt stuck, so I was stuck. And what is actually happening is the way we're thinking about things is generating those feelings. But it's only when we have productive feelings that taking the action feels easeful to us. So anytime I've wanted to change, although the feelings might have been what told me change was required, I went back and looked at, okay, well, how do I need to think about this? What what is God, What am I thinking? And what do I need to think instead? You know, and if I just use the example from that quarter life crisis of the relationship that I was in, what, I, what was I thinking that was leaving me feel stuck was this person is a good person and I should be grateful for a good person because I've had my heart broken before, so I better stay with a good person. And the change in thinking was actually... Being lonely when you're with someone who's really sad and being lonely when you're with someone who's a good person is sad for both of us. So the change in thinking was I would rather be alone and not lonely than with someone and lonely. And that change shifted feelings. It it lifted the fear. It lifted the guilt. It made a very difficult uh, decision and a very difficult series of actions Something, as you, as you said in the introduction, saying that could be done with grace and more ease than it would have been done without that. But that was through changing those, those sorts. One example, you apply it to career, relationships, health and well-being, which, whichever, I think it's still the same process. Yeah. But, it's interesting too, isn't it? I think I, I feel like we sort of set out on something that feels more linear, you know, that sort of checklist of things that you're supposed to do (laughs) in life. And I think, you know, my probably first real experience with stuck came in my 30s because I felt like I'd ticked off quite a few of those things that you're supposed to have done, you know, education, get on, you know, get on the corporate ladder, be progressing, meet somebody, you know, get, you know, all of those sorts of tick, ticks that you're supposed to have done and then it all sort of felt like well is this it is there something else that we (laughs) should you know and it's interesting I think that there's that sense that you know we start out and it's just all about hitting these milestones but actually you don't once you've made a choice on one of those things you don't have to keep that choice forever and as I say I felt like that was a very big light bulb moment for me because I think a lot of us stay and that sort of situation about oh but it feels too risky to to leave that person or to leave that job when actually you're probably doing you and them a disservice by staying there. Absolutely and and I think it's that whole thing of realizing that we have so many more choices and opportunities to choose and choose again and keep choosing. It's not a once and done you know, yeah. one of the things I said in the happiness code is that, you know, happiness, you know, you've got to make the choice to be happy and then you need to keep making that choice. You can't just wake up and go, oh, Tuesday, Tuesday's my happy day. I'm going to choose to be happy on Tuesday and then go tick. I've ticked that box. It's not that at all. We, we need to be continually choosing and then evaluating those choices and we're not going to get it right every time. Yeah. We're not going to, you know, even if we follow all of the best processes, we're still not going to get it right every time because we're guessing. We don't have a crystal ball. We're trying to work out how things might unfold and making the best decisions we can with the information available to us at the time and then more information will come. And so I think 
a lot of the time we feel stuck because we think about maybe the, the sunk cost but I've put so much time into this. I've put so many years into this. I've dedicated so much to this. Sometimes we feel stuck because we think, you know, that that ship sailed. I missed the boat on that. You know, I was having that conversation with my daughter just the other day. She's only 16 and she's saying, maybe I just missed the boat on that, Mum. And I was like, okay, this is not the first time. This might be the first time you have this feeling, but this is not going to be the last time you have that feeling. So what you've got to do is say, okay, do I wait for the next boat to come along? Do I take a different boat to a different direction? Do I dive in and swim as fast as I can? But what you don't want to do is say, well, I missed that boat, so I'll just walk away. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting because, you know, that that whole thing of missing out or it's too late and, uh, you know, it's probably something I still struggle with a bit and yet I remember being in my 20s and just finishing university and thinking the same thing (laughs) And, and, you know, so I say that to people a lot, really, you know, it's, it's, it's not too late. It's never too late to make a choice, that sort of intentional choice. Ready to finally stop talking about fixing your career and actually start doing it? If you're a corporate professional, freelancer or business owner feeling trapped or bored in your work and stuck figuring out what to do about it, you need the Fix Your Career quiz. This two-minute quiz shows you exactly where to start and the first steps you can take to create the career you really want. Head to fixyourcareer.com.au to uncover what's keeping you stuck and the steps you can take to kickstart your progress. I think that was the other thing that, you know, I learned from you fairly early on was this idea of intentions and being intentional about what you're doing. Can you give us a little bit more of a deep dive detail into what brought you to intentions and why intentions over things like setting goals? Absolutely. So I always love to begin by saying I'm not anti-goal. Goals have a place, but what most of us of our sort of generation, age and stage and socioeconomic background, privilege, etc., have been raised is to sort of, you know, aim at something and say, that's going to be our goal and I'm going to live and die by that goal. That will prove whether I've made it, whether I'm a success or I am a failure. And what actually happens is most people fail to achieve their goals most of the time. The other thing that happens is when we do get to our goals, they don't always feel or we don't always experience them the way that we're expecting to anyway. That first career job of mine, I'd actually visualise myself. I'd done all the things. You know, I'd visualise myself and I could hear my heels going clip, clop, clip, clop along a marble foyer into this lift, into this impressive place where I was going to work. My first day, I was like... I hear it. This is that feeling. Like I had goosebumps. Even now when I recall it, I get goosebumps remembering how exactly it sounded the way I had, I guess not visualised or whatever the auditory version of visualisation is. The problem was I hadn't thought to visualise what I would do when I got there. So (laughs) it wasn't interesting or satisfying or rewarding, but, you know, the shoes were nice. So I think what happens with goals is it's just too narrow. So instead of making our goals the pinnacle, I talk about it as focusing on intentions and actually teach something called the intention method where we elevate how we want to, what we want to be able to say and how we want to be able to feel about something. And then we say, okay, well, if that's what I want to be able to say and that's what I want to be, how I want to feel, that's my intention, what is the best way for me to fulfill that intention? Do I need to set a goal? Do I need to create some habits? Are there some tasks I need to do? And then, because I've focused on the intention, not just the goal, as I move closer towards it, I'm much more nimble. 
I can move a bit to the left, move a bit to the right, say, oh, actually, now that I'm, I'm closer and I can see it up close, that's not going to cut it. I'm going to need to look at it a different way. And so this idea of taking an intentional approach, it actually liberates us from this success failure roller coaster that most people go on when they try to achieve any sort of change in their life and actually gives you a, a robust foundation for being able to go the distance and for, you know, and it ties really tightly into that thing about it being a choice because as you focus on your intention, think about it like your true north. Okay, the wind's blowing. Okay, I'll adjust slightly. Oh, storm coming. I'll adjust slightly. And we can be much more resilient to the highs and lows along the way when we take an intentional approach rather than when we hang all of our sense of success or failure and, and with it our self-worth on the achievement of a singular thing being a goal. Yeah. I, well, I'm obviously subscribed to this school of thought now. <laughs> it's a, a, And I find it kind of interesting because I sometimes forget that other people don't know that yet. <laughs> and then I remember what a light bulb, you know, kind of brain explosion moment it was for me. And I definitely, you know, talk about it a lot these days. So in your sort of a pr professional opinion, if you will, and with the many people you've worked with over the years, what do you sort of see as the common situations or circumstances where, where people start to get stuck or feel stuck in their lives? So I think there are at least two really common things. One is that they haven't thought about it enough. There wasn't an intention. There wasn't a recognition of their values or what they would actually require to be happy and successful. They've just ended up there. So it's quite easy to feel stuck when you ended up there, kind of by, a ha not even by accident, but by happenstance. The other reason I see people get stuck is when what used to work doesn't anymore. And it's actually, you know, it makes perfect sense that actually as life goes through its seasons and its stages, different things are going to work at different times in our life. But I think that people get very wedded to something. And one of the things I like to remind people is that, you know, like your goals, your hopes, your dreams, they're yours. You can do whatever you want with them, including saying, actually, I don't want it after all. And so I think that those two, those times are when I see people most commonly stuck, when they never thought about it or when they had it and it did work. And no, that doesn't. And that's going to require a major rethink. Yeah, I, I totally. Well, firstly, because I feel like I'm the one in the first group, <laughs> the happenstance stuff just happened. And in fact, funnily enough, I used to be really proud of that. I was kind of really proud that I had no plan and things just happened and they'd worked out okay. But, you know, I often say that, and I can't remember, it might be Lewis Carroll, but that thing about if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. And that's so true, right? Like it's that that thing about I've just I just kind of set out. And I did have dreams originally, but at some point I just let them go and just kind of let things happen. But interestingly, in my work, I think I come across a lot more in that second group where they, they, particularly people who have been, you know, a little bit ambitious, they've been hardworking and they've been, you know, very set on what they wanted to achieve in life. And so suddenly those tools that they used to rely on not working is a bit of a shock. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, I, and so it's interesting, I think, having then some tools in your toolkit. So... 
Do you still get stuck? I think I get stuck at, like a baby stuck and I recognize it usually. Although I do remember a time in my, so now I'm in my mid to late 40s, this this memory, yeah, mid 40s, and I can remember this feeling of something's missing, something's not right. And I, I was broadly speaking happy. My relationship was solid. My kids were well. I was healthy, you know, broadly this, but there was this sort of, missing feeling and so it wasn't strong and unpleasant like stuck but it was more like that you know that little pebble in your shoe or something you shake your shoe but you haven't got it out yet and then I sort of had this massive light bulb where I realized that I wasn't pursuing what mattered most to me and so what I could see was you know I was saying like oh I'd forgotten to live my life I was making the life good for us all but things that had been the right choice, for example, not prioritising uh, some of my ambitions when my kids were really young. It's like they're kind of busy now. I could prioritise some of my ambitions again. And so I guess for me, like that realisation was I'm really grateful for it because it's like a pre-stuck. It's like a it's vaguely unpleasant, vague notion. But had I not made some adjustments then, five years down the track, whatever the number might have been, 10 years three years, who knows, that stuck feeling would have come. So I think I've become more vigilant. And it's not about questioning everything every day. It's about saying, this is my attention. Do I feel like I'm aligned? This this is what I want from my life. Does it feel like we're going in that direction, broadly speaking? And then adjusting and regularly kind of Asking that question and asking it in this light way, not navel-gazing, weighty, is my life as perfect as it could be, but just am I going in the right direction? Yeah. Has my direction changed? Do I want it to change? Oh, actually, I want it to go in this direction. I still, broadly speaking, want to go in that direction, but I actually want to make this detour. Okay, well, what's that going to take? And so just regularly checking in and asking those questions, I think that avoids the stark in capital letters, bold, <laughs> underline, italic, and then just leaves us with this sort of warning signs. Stuck will come if you don't take action now. And then because you're finding it early on and paying attention to it early on, sometimes it's just really little actions. You know, for example, in that that time, you know, that I, that I was talking about just then, I remember one day sort of thinking, oh, you know, my life, I just live it for everybody else. There's, you know, I don't do anything for me anymore. I was like, okay, well, that's a pretty dramatic feeling. What would change that feeling? What, would, what could you do that would improve this feeling just by 10%? What's one little thing you could do? And I said, I'm going to go to the movies with a girlfriend, organise to go to the movies with a girlfriend, have a glass of wine and a nibble beforehand. I said, like, oh, that's so nice. I'm going to do that again. You know, two weeks later I did that again. I said, oh, that's really nice. And I was like, oh, I feel like I've got a life. <laughs> you know, it was like two trips to the movies was all it took. I didn't need to, you know, overhaul things in a dramatic way but it was just that warning feeling that ah I'm neglecting something that does matter okay well what's a little thing I could do ah back on track and then it just made me pay a little bit more attention to making sure I was doing those things for me regularly didn't have to be by a calendar appointment or with a fixed commitment or to be goalified, but just to say, okay, yeah, that that matters. Let's make sure you do some of that. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. And I think that what what I love about that is 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 kind of having the tools ready to go. It's it's kind of recognizing that it's happening or about to happen, and then 
knowing kind of the the tools to implement at that point. I love it. What, and I hadn't really planned this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So what impact do you think that sort of period from 2020 to 2022, I guess, with the pandemic has had on people and, you know, people feeling stuck? Oh, I, so I think it's worked. I think it's in many ways it's worked in extremes. So it's yeah. forced people into change, some people, and it's allowed other people to become complacent or maybe not even some people, some situations. It's forced change in some areas and it's allowed, you know, because we couldn't do things, it's made accepting things that wouldn't be how we want them to be a more comfortable feeling than it might have been beforehand. So I'm seeing in myself, in others, in my clients, a bit of both showing up, the positives and the not-so-positives and the same in the same per- both in the same person depending on the topic. Yeah, it's fascinating actually. I just it kind of occurred to me as you were talking and I was thinking about that sort of recognition of feeling stuck and having tools to roll out that I guess for a lot of people the pandemic might have brought that stuck feeling as something they hadn't experienced before. And interestingly as you say that idea of kind of, you know, approving ways of behaviour that then people have just carried on um, has been interesting too because I've seen a bit of that too and possibly even in myself. And I think a third part of that is it's, it's I think the behaviour point is a really interesting one, but I think on top of that it's, it's because we were to, forced to accept that we might not be able to honour all of our values in that time, not meeting that value may have become more acceptable or may have become short term, more comfortable with that, oh, well, I don't get to do that, but I don't. And so, oh, well, that's how life is, which ends up sort of being a prequel to the next stuck if we don't take care yeah. of it now. Yeah, really, it could be really simple examples. Like you, you travel is really important, but you couldn't travel for a while and you did other things with your money and now you haven't been travelling, but it, has it stopped being important or did it fall off the list? But in a while you'll think, oh, that mattered to me and I, I didn't do it. Yeah. Fun example. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So now you don't just spend your time coaching, writing and, and creating audible content. You also train other people to be Intention Method certified coaches. So tell us a little bit about what that involves for anyone who might be interested in pursuing coaching. Well, the, the Intention Method Certified Professional Coach training program is an experiential training program. So when I looked at what was out there, I found that the coach training programs that came from more academic institutions were very theoretical, what coaching is, why it works, why it's good, why we should all have one, why we should all do it, why should we learn those skills but it actually teach you a lot about the how of coaching a lot of the lighter touch programs teach you a lot about how to find coaching clients but don't actually teach you what to do with them so this program is a really deep experiential program um, I describe it as world-class coaching skills game changing methodology and deep personal growth and transformation because you get to be coached a lot uh, through the program. It meets the training requirements of the International Coach Federation's PCC, which is Professional Credentialed Coach. So it's a really robust program. And to date, I've had, um, you know, 
just such an interesting and varied group of students take the certification program you know people like your, yourself who you know came and the point of life when you were kind of going, oh where to next and what do I do uh, people who are deep in their career and want more skills to advance the career they've got people who found themselves informally coaching and thinking oh, I'd really like to know that I was doing this really well and, and a full sort of a mix through that um, and it's something that I absolutely absolutely love doing and uh, you know taking that what are the coaching skills but also this idea of thinking about changing the way we think about what it is we want and what it's going to take to get it applying that whole intention method and, and merging the two together which I think creates something that that is really game-changing both for the coach in terms of their toolkit but also for the client's formal and informal of those coaches who are trained. Yeah. And as a graduate of your program, <laughs> I obviously can thoroughly recommend it to others for exactly that reason. I know I was searching for something that wasn't just the theory. I really wanted that practical element and that was one of the things I loved about it. So you're about to go live with your next program. Uh, where can people find out more about it? Absolutely. So the best place to find out more is to go to dominiquebertolucci.com. There's a lot of letters there, so I'm assuming there'll be a link to that uh, somewhere where the, on this podcast yeah. page. But dominiquebertolucci.com forward slash certification, and you'll find out everything you need to know there. Excellent. So before I let you go today, Dominique, I'd love you to share one practical tip or step or action that you would give somebody who's feeling stuck today, whether it's in their life generally or work or whatever situation where they might just be thinking, yes, I think I feel stuck. What should I do? So I love this question because it's the what's one action you could take? Because I think when we feel stuck, we think, you know, imagine if you stepped into some cement and your shoes now stuck in the cement and you can't move forward, you can't move backwards, your shoes stuck in the cement and you think, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm stuck here. Like, what do we do? We need, you know, the, the people with the jackhammers to come and crack the con concrete, maybe someone to come and rescue me. But actually could just loosen your shoelaces. Loosen your shoelaces, step out of the shoe. Go around that bit, buy another shoe. <laughs> Walk home barefoot. You know, we've got so many options, but often we just sort of see the enormity of what the ultimate change might be. So I think anybody who's feeling stuck today, I would ask you to ask, I would suggest that you ask yourself, what is one thing I could do today that would make me feel a tiny little bit less stuck? You know, it could be going to the movies. It could be loosening your shoelace. But it was just one thing I could do that would make me feel a tiny bit less stuck. You will definitely benefit from whatever this one thing is, but it will remind you how much influence you really do have over this situation. And I don't use the word, I'm very conscious about not using the word control because we actually don't control that much, but we have a lot of influence over how things turn out. And taking that small action, whatever it is, reminds you that you actually have a lot of influence here and you just need to exercise it. And obviously then, you know, work with somebody like you, Helen, to then work out, what. Well, okay, now that I've done my small step, what's, what might some of my bigger steps be and what might my deeper process be? But just what's one small thing I can do straight yeah. away? Yeah, I so love that too because I think so many, and I'm sure you come across this too in your work, so many people want to know all the steps. 
<laughs> all the steps up front and really today or in the next short while you you're really only going to be able to take one step and I also I think you know something you say that I also love is that in taking that step it often gives you the confidence to take the next step it's what creates the motivation as opposed to waiting for that motivation to turn up absolutely and as you take the next step then the one after reveals itself you know yeah so often, you know, we, we try to work out all the steps. We don't have them, so we don't do anything or we feel paralysed because now we have worked them out and there's too many and it's going to be all be too hard when actually there might be a completely different step that you don't know because you haven't gone forward enough to get that different perspective or to see around the corner. Yeah, beautiful. I love it. I love that tip. So if you'd like to learn more about Dominique and her work, you can head to DominiqueBertolucci.com or connect with her or follow her on Facebook or Instagram. We'll include all of the details in the show notes and including how to enroll in the next round of her Intention Method Certified Coach Training Program. So thank you so much for your time today, Dominique, and for everything that you do and create. I've been very honoured to have you as my first guest. Oh, thank you, Helen. Thank you so much for having me here. I've really enjoyed our conversation, you know, and I love the thought that you brought to it and, and uh, you know, so great to explore this topic with somebody who, you know, has not only done so much of this work for themselves but is also teaching other people how to apply that to their direction too. So it's been a joy. Thank you. It's been lovely to catch up. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Get Unstuck with Helen Thomas. I hope you found inspiration and valuable insights to help you break free from whatever might be holding you back from creating a life you love. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe and share with friends who might need a boost. Your support means the world to me. You can find out more about me at my website, helenthomas.com.au or connect with me on LinkedIn at Helen L. Thomas or on Instagram at Helen Thomas AU. Remember, feeling stuck is a feeling, not a fact. And the journey to getting unstuck is a shared one. Together, we can create unstoppable momentum. Until next week, keep dreaming big, thinking differently and moving forward.